Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we come to you on this Tuesday evening, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always, brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, we'll be with you right up until 7 o'clock on this uh, 7-7. And the story today, as we get through another July day of waiting, waiting for the sports to come back, obviously deals with the Mets and the guy who really never went away. I mean, uh, people might have written... Might have written Steve Cohen off, but it made no sense to do so. Uh, number one, he's got more money than any of the other uh, people in the mix. Number two, he's a minority owner, so he's in the mix anyway. He's always been in the mix. He knows what's going on because he's part of the team. He owns 8% of the team, so he was always there. Uh, he was always lurking, and he's the one guy who's not going to worry about the price tag. Uh a lot of the guys looking at the groups either have special – looking at the Mets of the seven groups have special interests, have certain things they want or don't want. Uh, they have certain ways they want the deal done. Some are in there just trying to steal it. And here's the first line. Major New York sports franchises go for a sale so rarely. Just look. Look and see how few times these franchises go for sale. They're jewels. And even if they have bad ledgers, even if they've run into some problems, even if their day-to-day books look ugly for these guys who were used to better-looking books and who, you know, it gives them a headache to look and what they're looking at, it doesn't matter. This is a New York, a major New York sports franchise. You might not get an opportunity for the next 20 or 30 years to grab the franchise. No one's going to steal it. And this idea that someone was just going to come in and lowball and steal the team, hey, the Mets were going to be able to, meaning the Mets' current ownership, were going to be able to do anything they needed to do to keep the franchise operating until they get it sold. 
And with that being the case, they weren't going to give the franchise away. It'd be crazy to. But now, with Cohen back in, although I, like I said, I don't think, and I don't think anybody who was in ever thought he was out. You never heard he was out. You weren't hearing a lot about him, but you never heard he was out. And I don't think any of the groups ever thought he was out. Now, there's some groups that we don't know a lot about. We know more about some than others. But what has been a constant theme is that a lot of these guys wanted to try and take the team with a low-ball offer, thinking the Mets' current ownership was desperate. Not the way to play this. And clearly, with the amount of players in the mix now and with the resources of some of the players in the game, it's not going to be a cheap buy, which will probably eliminate three or four of the groups right off the bat. And you would have to say that when a guy's got 8% of the team already in his pocket and he's got more money than anybody in the game or as much money as anybody. There's one group that might have close to what he has. I mean, when you're talking about the rarefied air of, you know, 13, 14 billion dollars, who cares? But he is in a position to not in any way have to blink at any price tag. And I don't think it's going for some, you know, outrageous number. This is not going to be a blow-away number where you say, oh my God, they overpaid the way it was recorded that, you know, Cuban overpaid or Balmer overpaid. And if you realize, when you went back and saw those guys now, when they were destroyed, I remember how badly people made so much fun of Cuban when he bought the team. When he bought the Mavs, they made fun of the, they said, this guy, oh, overpaid so dramatically, never make a good deal. It hasn't been a good deal. It's been a great deal. If you know how to run these franchises in modern times, you will more than get your money back in appreciation. These franchises, you have guys who have bought franchises, have put no money in these franchises over a period of years, and then turned the franchise around and made 80% on their investment without putting a dollar in. So these franchises appreciate enormously. And you're talking about New York City now. And you're talking about Major League Baseball. The Mets, whatever their books look like right now, whatever the situation is right now, is an absolute jewel if you're looking long term. You will, you will not only make your money, you will appreciate your investment many times over, over a period of years. Now, if you're smart, there's certain things you want. You want options on certain pieces of real estate. You have to have SNY. You see, if you're an owner and you don't get the broadcast entity to go with it, you're out of your mind in baseball. You have to have it. So if I, would, if I were any of these groups, I would not do anything unless I got controlling interest to SNY. I wouldn't even think of it because that's the key to any deal. That makes it a home run right off the bat. 
And that's what you want. And in, in, in baseball, the way it works and the way the money comes in in terms of regional, local, and national, having your own network makes all the difference in the world, especially in a big market. That is the model that is, without question, the most absolute lock sure of being successful. But the Mets are interesting because the development of the properties around City Field are going to be a major, major part of this in the years to come. And a lot of these guys, these guys all know that, hey, these guys get, didn't get to be very wealthy men without being smart about what they do. Whether or not they win or are motivated to win inside the game itself. Because remember, on one hand, you're running a business with a bunch of partners. On the other hand, you compete internally inside a game, but that is outside the economic game. There's the game, and then there's the economic game. They're two different games. You can play that one one way, and then you can play the other one one way. Now, the best franchises play them both highly competitively, like the Pats. Or what Jerry's done economically, although he hasn't done it on the field since the days of Jimmy Johnson. He did it early and won three Super Bowls, and he's done it in terms of what he's done economically. He hasn't done it on the field in 20 years for a variety of reasons, but did it early. Pats are a perfect example of what they've done. In terms of doing it in both places. But you can do it in one and not the other. But again, more than anything else, the secondary, tertiary parts of the deal, which don't get discussed very often, are critical to the success of the deal. And if it's such a bad product and it's so run down and the books are so bad, how come there are seven already qualified bidders who want it so badly? Seven. Now, there might be a couple in there say, oh, I only want it if I can steal it. Fine. That's how they buy things. And you know what? They're really smart at buying things like that because in the long run, if they're that disciplined, they'll win nine times out of ten. If they buy something when it's run down and they pay bottom dollar, most times if they know how to operate and know how to turn things around, they're going to be enormously successful. That's what they do. That's what a lot of smart businessmen do. More power to them. This is not the deal for them. This is a deal where you have to look at it as an opportunity to do something extremely special. To be a baseball team in New York where there are only two. And check out the last time one went for sale. You can't count the double day half of the sale as a sale. You realize in a very short time there, the two franchises went for sale. Okay, in a reasonably short time, within 10 years of each other, which is rare. Now you're talking since then, 40 years have gone by. 40 years. Might be another 30 or 40 to something happens because they don't get out of the family. They stay in the family. And obviously, we know what happens. How hard it is to see or get your hands on these franchises. That's why it's that special. Now, I don't know what the long-term plans would be for uh, Steve Cohn, who's 64 years old. I don't know. I don't know what his plan is. I know what his immediate plan is. I don't know what his long-term plan is.
but it doesn't matter. He's back in the game, and if you're a Met fan, all you want is somebody who is going to be dynamic, who is going to want to put forth the finest product, want to compete on the highest levels. That's all you're looking for. That's all you ever want. You want an owner who's got resources and wants to win. That's all. And then you're going to hope that he knows how to win. And the idea that somebody who comes from outside of baseball would have a harder time winning than someone inside baseball is ridiculous because, hey, these guys know where to find the right people. You think it's hard to go find a general manager who's got a track record? You think you had to know something about baseball to go find Theo Epstein? You had to know something about the sport to go find a guy who you say, hey, I think I can get this guy, and he's a proven winner. He's done it in two places already. There are guys that are proven winners. And remember, the Mets, they haven't been just awful at their business. I mean, it's not like it's been 25 years since the Mets have been in the playoffs or the World Series. They just have had some very, very radical ups and downs along the way. So now if you're a Mets fan, you have to be, from that standpoint, I think very positive about where you are that there's a very, very good chance it's going to fall into uh, aggressive hands, uh, smart hands, and obviously uh, into the hands of someone who really wants it to be a special property. And that's all, you, that's all you want as a fan. That's all you can hope for, is to get someone who is that kind of owner. But again, that doesn't give you you know, it doesn't guarantee your championships. Nobody wants to win more than Jerry Jones. Nobody is more aggressive than he is. How's he doing over the last two decades? Because he'll only do it his way. Sometimes that can be as much a curse as a blessing. Not every owner he might know how to make money. He might know how to promote his franchise. He might not, not know how to win. And getting a player because he was a great player is not a recipe that is automatic. There's plenty of cases of that. And a few very, very prominent ones led by Michael Jordan as a perfect example. So there's no one recipe that always works. But there are a lot of different ones that do work. And right now, you have plenty of people there with deep pockets who seem to want the franchise. I'd say take three out who probably want to steal it and put four that have the right intentions, the right ingredients, the right resources, and probably have a good clue on what to do. That still gives you better than a 50-50 chance there for it to come out the right way. Back after this. All right, you know, I have to admit, I turned on the baseball last night. I turned on the Yankees, and it was good to see Yankee Stadium. It was good to see players in uniform. And, but in 10 minutes, I was out of there. I couldn't watch it. I'm sorry. You know, I can't watch, I can't watch a scrimmage. I've never been one. Like, I, go to, I have a house in Florida. I go to spring training for a couple of minutes. 
when they're drilling, you know, I watch batting practice a couple minutes. That's fine. I could do that, you know. I mean, I could sit there and talk, you know, to, you know, go visit someone and, you know, sit and talk. But I go visit Omar or, you know, whatever I do. Uh, go sit there and talk. Go visit, uh, say hello. That's fine. But, I mean, I'm not one that can, that loves sitting around watching spring training all day. I mean, you know, you, could t- you know, after a couple of hours, it gets a little tedious. It really does. I mean, but um, spring training game, eh. I'm not the biggest spring training game fan, uh, but to see baseball game was good. But again, to see a uh, modified inter squad scrimmage is a little much. It wasn't even that, it was a workout more than anything else. But hey, what are you going to do? That's what there is right now. All right, Richard and Teterboro starts us off. What's up, Richard? Peace and love. It's Ringo Starr on my birthday. All right, there's some moron. Uh, Lou and Astoria, what's up, Lou? Hey, Mike, how you doing? What's up? Yeah, that was kind of strange. After watching that last night, I started watching it. It's better than nothing, but then everybody... No, it isn't better than nothing. It basically was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Nobody in the outfield. Nobody. It was was disgusting. Anyway, I didn't want... I, I just shut it off like you did. But anyway, this idea about selling the match, and I'm telling you right now, whoever gives these guys the most money, that's how they're going to go. They're not stupid. Well, of course not. I mean, that's listen, that's the idea. The idea yeah. is to get the biggest sale you can. Well, listen, they're not going to sell it to somebody they that they yeah, that, 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 they're going to sell it to the highest bidder. That's all. I mean, that, uh, yeah. No, they're out now. Listen, the idea of them staying in the franchise or managing the franchise, that's over. That's that that's over. No, no. Now, now all they're doing is taking the sale and that's that's it. Position. That's, That's it. it. Yes. And about uh, Alex Rodriguez, let me ask you something. I don't know if you can get him on. I know that you're very close to him. I don't know if you still right. are. Yeah. No. I, I mean, we chat from time. I haven't. I mean, I, we 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 text each other from time to time. I've spoken to him a couple of times. Yeah. You know, but I'm sick and tired of all these hoes that's trying to. They're trying to say that he's trying to copy or do better than Derek Jeter. He doesn't need to do that. He loves the game. This is something. All uh, right. Listen. Listen. You see, here's the thing, Lou. When you're when you're a Rod. You live your life. You don't worry about what people say, okay? He wants to own a franchise? Fine. I mean, he had to go out and get the money to get people. He needed a money guy. He went out and got two money guys who are legitimate money guys, okay? They are, and they're guys who have been incredibly successful. I know of Vinny Viola more than, I mean, I know him. I say hello to him. I see him at the racetrack. I say hello. I know he's been incredibly successful. He's self-made, okay? And then Rapoli, who I know very well, okay? I, I know Mike Rapoli really well, and he's a brilliant businessman. He's not a good businessman. He's a brilliant businessman, and he's self-made, and he's done an incredible job, and he would be a great guy to have with A-Rod as a team, with A-Rod and J-Lo as a team. But let's say A-Rod and Rapoli are the guys who are going to do the day-to-day stuff. Now, remember... Vinny Viola and Rapoli are like brothers. So they're, they're in there together. They're in there, and they're both incredibly successful at what they do. They're both billionaires. Okay? They've had incredible success in their business life. They're very smart operators. They know what they're doing. They're local guys. They're aggressive guys. Okay? So, and they'd be easy to root for. So I think that team has a lot of attractiveness. But they're not nearly... As the, not even a little, uh, they're not even on the same stratosphere as the kind of money Cone has. Cone is on a different level. He is to the moon. He is one. He'd be the richest owner in all the baseball. You know, if you watch billions 
a lot, there's a lot of people that will tell you that the Bobby Axelrod character is taken from an adaptation of Steve Cohn. That's kind of, so if you've watched that show, you kind of get the idea that this is a guy who plays for keeps. Of course, it's, you know, it's made to be more aggressive and more glamorous and more cutthroat and everything else. But this is a guy who is a very, very aggressive, very, you know, pedal to the metal business guy who has made a fortune. Uh, And he's controversial. And he's extravagant. And now he wants the Mets. He's a player in this whole thing. He becomes a big player. He has to be the favorite just because he's... Here's why he's the favorite. He's the favorite because he owns 8% of the team already. And he's the richest guy in in, in the room. And he might want it more than everybody else. That doesn't mean he wants it more than A-Rod. But A-Rod, remember has to lean on his financial partners. Aaron doesn't have the money to buy it. And even with the Viola money and the Rapola money, which is extraordinary, it's not where Cone is. Cone's out there way higher in terms of overall money. This guy's loaded. He'd be the richest owner in all of baseball. David in Newark. What's up, David? Michael, what's up? So if you buy the Mets without rights to the TV station, then SNY still needs to, to lease or license the game. Right, you can do it. I don't think it's the right way to do it. I think it's a much more powerful entity if you own it, but you can do it the other way. It can. I, it's not that it can't work the other way, but I think the, the right way to do it is to have a ownership percentage of the broadcast entity and and really most likely if you want to be more successful have a controlling interest of the broadcast entity so i I get that side of it and there's probably a lot you can control if if you control the network but then so what happens if say you start negotiating with uh, i don't know fox local fox sports one now the price is driven up for sny and sny needs the mets a lot more than the mets need sny no. See, that's why you want that's why you want to know when you go in the door. You want to know where you are because that having the rights to that team and then controlling the the see the, the SNY is a big money maker. That's what you got to understand. That's why it's good to have because it will gen it will throw off a tremendous amount of cash for you and it'll throw off all different kinds of revenue streams around the Mets. That's why you, the real estate and the broadcast entity are two things that m- enhance the value of the franchise enormously. When you have the team, if you control the other two, it's a license to print money. Because think about it. You own the team. Think about what you can do if you own the real estate across the street. And you have a thing where you can have you can bring players to it, or you can have Mets stuff there, and you can and you can get the fans involved, and you can have a restaurant or uh, you know things with gambling in the near future, and things like that right across the street for before the game, after the game, and you control that. Well, if you have it and you have an ownership of the team, so you don't have to go to the team to get the things you need from the team to make that real estate work. And to make those, you know, 
companies or those entities that are around the ballpark work, you can work hand in glove. Same thing with the network. When you have the ability to work as a plan, it all works together. There's a symmetry there, and it throws off tremendous revenue that you can control. So it's a it's that's the best way to do it. It doesn't have to be that way because you can go out and sell the product. If you're winning, you're going to get a good buck, buck for your product no matter what. But that's if you're winning. Charles and Teaneck, what's up, Charles? Hey, Mike. Yes, Charles. Uh, um, first of all, um, I think that A-Rod is a much better executive than Jeter. Um, well, how would, you know, how would you know that, though? Because from the Shark Tank. A-Rod, A-Rod, hasn't been an, A-Rod hasn't been an executive yet. But he's on Shark Tank. <laughs> he was on Shark Tank about three times. Come on. <laughs> Go ahead. What else is on your mind? Um... So Drew Brees was a big thing a couple of months ago when he tweeted when he said the thing about the anthem, the players kneeling, right? And all the NFL players were calling him out. Right. But Deshaun Jackson yesterday posted an anti-Semitic right um, thing on Instagram, and no NFL player commented on it. Here's the thing, okay? And I've said this to you many times, and I'll say it to you again: If you are in the majority, be you a ball player. Uh, an owner, a broadcaster, if you're in the majority, which means if you are a white male, you cannot, you don't get a second chance on comments. If you are in the minority and you make an outrageous statement, if you back off it and you and you apologize, you will not get taken down for the comment. That's just, if you want to say that's a double standard, fine. Well, there are plenty of double standards that work against minorities. That's a double standard that works in favor of minorities. That's all. I've known that for a long time. Everybody in broadcasting's known it for a long time. Charles Barkley can make outrageous statements and has that if a white broadcaster made, he'd be fired. That's part of the deal. That's one that works against you as a part of the majority. There are some that work for you. There are some that work against you. That's just, you, you know, you use your head. That's just the way it is. So if a player who is white makes a statement, is going to get a lot more grief than if a minority player makes a statement. That's just the way it goes. That's all there is to it. Now, again, he had to backtrack his statement. He had to apologize for his statements. They were outrageous statements. He apologized. You move on. That's all. But is there a different standard? Yes. It's different, but this is one case where you have a little more freedom of voice as a minority than you do as a somebody of the majority. And, right, you know, in this, in this climate, that's just the way it is. So, so be it. I mean, that's just the fact, you know? You have to live with it. Anthony in Bridgewater, what's up, Anthony? Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Good to what's have happening? You. Good to what's happening? What's um, happening? Two things. Um, let me make both points. First off, as a Mets fan, I think what makes Cohen so intriguing is it's not that Mets fans want to get every free agent. It's just they want to be in the mix for the free agent, the big-time guy, not the middle guy. Like when Mookie Betts is a free agent and the Mets need a center fielder, they want to be in the, in the, in the range for the guy. They want to be, oh, well, maybe they're going to get him. The last few years... The Mets haven't been in that range for any of those guys. And you want to you want to shop at you want to shop at Tiffany's when you need something. Yeah. You don't want you don't want to shop. 
Right, yeah. yeah, right. I don't want to knock another store, but you got the idea. You right. want to, yeah. you want to yeah. shop. You want to be able to go down the expensive aisle sometimes, or a lot of times. Okay. You know, right. I, I yeah. listen. There's nothing wrong with that, and the Med fan has always known. Oh, that guy's out of our league. Well, you don't want anybody to be out of your league. That's all. You don't want to get every guy, but you want to be able to know that that guy. You want to be like the Yankees when not anybody's out of your league. That's all. It doesn't mean you're going to get every guy or choose every guy, but you want to know that you can shop there if you want to shop there. And especially there's been years when we actually needed a guy who, like, fits perfectly, and we, and we never even, like, gave a shot at him. See, the Mets, the Mets have spent money. They haven't always spent it wisely, and I yeah. always felt yeah. that it's dumb when you don't shop in the expensive aisle because that's where the quality is. I, I agree 100%. And, and the second thing, Mike, and I, I want to hang up after I say this, and maybe you can talk about this. It's been driving me crazy how poorly run so far this testing is for Major League Baseball. Why is it at one testing area? Why isn't it not regionally done at different areas of the country? Why does every test have to be sent to one area of the country? See, I, I don't Why know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not privy or am I up to date enough on protocols for the testing, but let me say this. You can see now dealing with this pandemic that if you don't have a handle – on testing, and Major League Baseball does not. It is an absolute nightmare, and you're right. Other leagues are handling their testing far better. Baseball has completely botched its testing just the way the national government has completely botched its testing. And the and let's be honest, the federal government lost control of this thing a long time ago because they never had a hand on testing. And baseball is showing you that they're the same way. They have messed testing up. It's embarrassing. And other leagues have handled it very, very well. So that is something baseball has, has admitted. Hey, Rizzo said the other day, if we don't get testing under control, we will never even start. He even went so far as to say that. Their testing has been absolutely embarrassing. To this point, you're at why I can't answer why, but I don't know enough about what their plan was. I don't know what the plan should be. I'm no testing expert, but clearly you're 100 percent right. Baseball has botched, has completely just like the federal government completely botched testing. The baseball has completely botched testing back after this. All right, we're back. JJ coming up at uh, seven o'clock. Let's get a couple more uh, calls in here. Uh, Bob in Spring Lake. What's up, Bob? Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good, what's up? I have a uh, curious of your opinion about why it's a must that the Major League team, uh, all sports, need to start. Because if they don't come up with a vaccination for next year, they're back to square one without a season. So they need to get this thing right before next year as a backup to not having a vaccination. Because if they lose this year and then they're back to square one for next year and it all starts over again, they'll be out of business. Bob, they're, they're playing now for one reason and one reason only, so that they can get something out of this season. The networks need, need advertising, and they need product, and they want the sports to play, 
and then they turn around and pay the sports. So the players want to get paid, so they hit the field. The owners want to get paid, so they put the product on for the networks. The networks want to have the product on so that they can get some money and some revenue into their business. It's all these businesses that have been stopped. That's the reason why, under these adverse conditions, they are bringing these sports back. That's the only reason they are coming back. They're coming back to empty stadiums. They're coming back for television. That's it. They're coming back to provide TV ratings and to provide TV revenue for their partners who are their long-term partners. The ESPN and Disney need the NBA. They tell the NBA, here, go to our place, and you're going to play around the clock, and we're going to televise it, and that's what we're going to do. Same thing for the NHL, same thing for baseball, eventually the same thing for football, and that's why they're coming back to empty stadiums to produce something for television so that TV can get the cycle going again and everybody can get paid from the player to the owner to the network. And that's what's going on right now. And that's why they're trying against all these odds to get these sports off the ground. That's it. There's no other reason to get the green going again, to get the money cycling again. The networks have no money because they're not getting any revenues. The teams have no money because they're not getting any money from the networks. The players don't get paid if they don't work. So put the cycle in place. Remember, you're playing in front of no crowds. In baseball, that's 40% of the revenue. Now, remember, hockey and basketball are coming back at optimum time. They're coming back to play playoffs. That's where the owners make all their money. The Major League Baseball owners are trying to push through a really flimsy 60-game regular season to get to the postseason where they make all their money. They tried to expand the postseason. They were told, we're not interested. Get out of our way before the presidential election. Get out of our way before the football in November. We don't want you in November. So they didn't told them they didn't want him in November. They didn't want him going to, the, to they didn't want baseball being played in December. They wanted baseball out of the way before the presidential election. And they wanted football dominating in November like always. Ed in Jersey, what's up, Ed? Hey, Mike, how you doing? What's First happening? First time caller. Hey, yes. you just made a comment about the government and, and, the, and the testing. I work for the government, and we were responsible for sending all the kids and everything to the states, to the governors, to, to do all the testing. It's the government, I understand the government is, uh, started a, a few testing sites, but that's because the governors couldn't do it by themselves. Do you realize that? Yeah, well, I'm, I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and debate with you, Ed, but if you're trying to tell no, me that the federal right. government has done a good job in this, I completely and 100% disagree. I think they've done, I think, first of all, they didn't have their heart in testing from, number, from day one. The president didn't have his heart in testing. He didn't want a lot of testing, number one. And number two, this has been botched since day one. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. We weren't prepared for it uh, in any way. I don't think – I'm not saying the states were overly prepared. I'm, I don't think anybody was overly prepared. But I'll tell you this. The federal government botched it from day one, and baseball's botching it right now. Let's look at the last five or six days. Their own executives are admitting they botched it. They left, they left samples at the airport. They mixed up samples. I mean, they, 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 it's been a folly from the, from the start. And I, I know someone who is in the medical supply business and who does pricing 
with the with, and I'm not going to get into anything, but just to tell you that uh, I've heard some stories that would are hair raising. Let me just put it that way. James in Dumont, what's up, James? Hey, Mike. What's happening? Uh, listen, uh, I'm wondering what's going to happen now with this big Mahomes sighting uh, to like uh, Dak Prescott. You know, I mean, is, uh, is Jerry Jones going to like open up his eyes and go, "What am I doing with this case?" I don't understand. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not comparing Dak Prescott to Mahomes by any means. Right. So what's the what? what, what the what, tag what? on him, and you think that might like put a little bug under Jerry Jones's butt and say, "Well, why can't we sign this kid, or why are we getting this done?" I, you, know, I, you, you, I, you don't want to let Dak walk away. I don't, I'd let Dak walk away in a minute. I mean, I mean maybe you wouldn't, but I, it, comparing Dak and Mahomes, Mahomes I'm has not, been the MVP of the league and won a Super Bowl, and he's under 25 years old. I mean, Mahomes is, you know, has broken records and has already won a Super Bowl. Uh, so to me, one player has nothing to do with the other player. They're completely different players. Mahomes is a, is, here's why they paid Mahomes all that money. Because they could not conceive of playing the sport without him in the next 12 years. Now, here's the thing. Kansas City is going to have a struggle with Mahomes in years to come. They have a team that is right now capable of turning around, going right back and winning another Super Bowl. They only have so many years left with Andy Reid. They only have so many years left till they can't pay all these players. Mahomes' contract will become an enormous weight around their uh, neck, and it will hurt him because it will hurt him where they have to cut corners on the offensive line, where they have to cut corners at, on, at, in coverage, have to cut corners at pass rush to pay him. That's the thing that happens in a sport like football and the way the salaries are set up. When you pay somebody an extravagant amount of money, it is going to cost you. It is going to keep you from putting a complete team on the field. The best chance you have to win in the NFL is when you discover a young quarterback like they did with Mahomes and you get to get his talents early on before he gets paid a fortune. Seattle won that way with Russell Wilson. The Chiefs won that way with Mahomes. Now it becomes a detriment to have a quarterback making all that money because it imbalances your salary cap and it'll dis- it'll keeps you from having a complete team on both sides of the ball. It becomes a negative. Not right away, but it will in the years to come. It has in other cities. It happens every time. It will happen in Kansas City. You watch. Mahomes will go through a streak in Kansas City where he will be there, and he will go seven or eight years where he will not win a Super Bowl because the team won't be good enough. James in Hot Park. What's up, James? Hey, Mike. How you doing? What's happening? Mike, I read a piece in Forbes about the a potential buy for Steve Cohen of the Mets, and I was just curious if you knew what happens with the debt that um, City Field has accrued. Did he take that on? The, the debt is very controversial. It has not been... It, it, it has been an open issue. We don't know how it is being resolved. So I, I am not privy to the discussions. They do have debt. How that is going to be resolved, as one owner that I did talk to said, their books are a nightmare. Yeah. Okay? They he admitted that. Their books are a nightmare. I said, so what? You know, their books are a nightmare, but the appreciation of the franchise over a long period of time, you guys are operators, you know what to do. You go in, that's a couple of year problem, and then you got a franchise that you'll make a fortune with. But short term, their books are a nightmare. 
Everyone says it. So, again, I'm not privy to their books, nor am I someone that knows how to handle that. That's not my expertise. So, But they have guys who they do have expertise in that area. So, the, the, But as to your answer to your question, I'm not sure that has been resolved yet as to where the debt will – how the debt will be handled. I'm not sure. Okay. So I cannot answer that. That has been an ongoing debate. I think it will chase a couple of I think it will chase a couple of bidders away, which is why some of the bidders have been very low because of the fact that they say the books are a mess. Bob in Pennsylvania, what's up, Bob? Hi, Mike. I was just wondering why in a fifty-six thousand seat stadium like Yankee Stadium, why don't they allow at least some fans to come to the games? How do you, first of all, how do you decide whom? How do you decide who gets to go? Well, you, you put if you have thirty thousand, if you have thirty, let's say the Yankees have thirty thousand season ticket holders on partial plans or or full plans, how do you decide who goes to the game? Well, it just seems to me that instead of completely empty, they could have some fans there. I think eventually, if this went on for a long period of time, they would figure that. I think their plan is, their idea is, we'd rather not get into that because I think there's going to be a lot of protocols about cleaning the stadium, about uh, uh, insuring uh, against people who get sick and then try to sue you, and they will sue you, okay? Um, all those issues that would come up, let's not get into that this year. Let's just have our employees inside the stadium, have a closed setting, and then hope that we're never in this position today. You saw this morning, I'm sure, maybe you didn't, that one of the drug companies got $1.6 billion from in, in the ramp-up money because they are moving ahead. Nova, Nova Vax, I think it is, or uh, it's close to that. It might be. It, it's, it's, it's along the line of Nova Vax or uh, something along the line of that, where they got the 1.6 money, that, uh, the, the ramp-up money, because of the promise they showed. Now, they have never produced a vaccine yet. They're not Merck. They're not Pfizer. They're not J&J. They're probably better off merging with one of those companies if they have the real goods. But they did get the money or they're being given the the 1.6 ramp up money. So uh, 1.6 billion. So maybe, you know, we're hoping that they're headed in the right direction. I think they hope that if they get through this short year, which is done only for television, that next year they're back to normal with some kind of therapeutic or some kind of vaccine in place. I think that's everybody's grand wish. Who knows if it's going to be true? Yeah, I, I can understand that. Thanks. But I think, the, I think what you're missing, Bob, is this. It's an excellent question, but I think once you open the stadium to quote-unquote customers, you have to insure against them suing you. You have to make sure you've disinfected the stadium to a certain level. You have to decide uh, whether or not they're telling you the truth when they say, oh, this is a family member sitting next to me or is not a family member sitting next to me. I mean, all kinds of issues. Let's not go through that right now. We opened up for television. We're making this a TV product for this year, and then we'll try to get back to normal next year. I think that is the plan. Whether or not that works, we'll see. Uh, let me get one more in. Ross in uh, North Caldwell. Go ahead, Ross. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Um, so I heard you talking about how the Chiefs could be set back by Mahomes. Oh, they, they clearly will. There's no question. 
is there any chance that in ten years or in seven years, when the contract's a little le- a few less years, that maybe fifty million isn't the highest paid contract? In well, listen, listen. Every one, every one of those teams that has paid out the big money to its quarterback has been hampered. Now, remember, the Pats never paid Brady the big money, and they appealed to him during that time that that's how we win, by you not taking the big money. And to Brady's credit, he didn't take it until he finally said, I'm taking the money now, and he went to Tampa. He didn't take the money. Other guys have taken the money, and a lot of those guys have won Super Bowl. And often it came early in their years, if you look, and they've gone years and years because they haven't been able to put complete teams in football. If you're going to allot that kind of salary to one player, it is going to get you somewhere else because you're not going to be able to afford that great receiver. You're not going to be able to afford that second good receiver, that second good edge rusher, that second good cornerback, that, that extra good tackle on the other side opposite your blindside tackle. So all that stuff weighs on the team. The model that works the best right now is the young quarterback who's good who steps in early when he's not getting paid and you operate a full engine around him before he's getting paid, but he's playing like a star, those teams win. Happens a lot. And that is the model in football now. And the other model is one guys have got to work around. Now, maybe in years to come, somebody will be imaginative and the contract won't hurt as much, but we have not seen that except in New England where Tom never got paid the way he was supposed to get paid. They appealed always to him being a team guy and trying to win first. And they kept their pay on a level where it allowed them to do everything they needed to do throughout the roster. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program, brought to you by those who drink it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.